afternoon. From Charlotte to St. Croix and everywhere in between, I am Brett Witterbull. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Our telephone number, uh, for those who are new to the program, 704-570-1110. It is the Brett Witterbull Show here on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. This uh, development just uh, moving in the last hours, uh, and it's really not surprising. We have a president. His name is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., and he sent a DOJ memo out to judges asking them to loosen restrictions on illegal immigrants under the age of 21. Because if you know anything about any city in America, it is never the people under the age of 21 that do any of the damage, right? They are just innocent as the day is long. Biden's Department of Just Us, the way you spell that, by the way, is J-U-S-T hyphen U-S, Just Us. Department of Just Us sent out a recent memo asking immigration judges to treat cases involving migrants under the age of 21 as part of a child docket that loosens restrictions on court absences, reports the Daily Caller News Foundation. Now, how do we know that they're 21 and under? How do we know? Do they come in with a birth certificate? Do they come in with an attestation? How do we know that they're under the age of 21? We don't. Could be someone 35 who just looks awfully young. The memo, which was issued December the 21st, seven days ago today, directs judges to handle cases involving migrants below the age of 21 with less scrutiny and give them second chances if they fail to show up to their court appearances as part of the new juvenile docket. You know, the juvenile docket. I I think that was, was, was that the name of Epstein's boat? The department and proponents say the creation of a juvenile docket will help address mounting concerns of human trafficking involving children entering the country illegally, according to Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got to stop using the phrase human trafficking. It has got to be replaced with the thing the Democrats were most responsible for, slavery. It's slavery. When you take a human being and you sell them to another human being, that is slavery. When you take a human being and you pay somebody to take that human being to another place, and it's not an airline, and it's not a train, and it's not a car, and it's not an Uber, it's slavery. Let's just call it what it is. Whether it's a, a woman standing on the corner being pimped out by, by, a, by a dirt bag, that's slavery. This is slavery. We have to start calling it slavery. They soft soap this when they use the phrase human trafficking. It's a completely antiseptic phrase. What does it mean? Human trafficking. The traffic of human beings. No, no. Slavery. I want for 2024, anybody calling my program who wants to talk about this issue must describe it as slavery because that's what it is. And you have a government unwilling to abolish entirely slavery. You have a government that is headed by the party that spearheaded slavery back in the day. And I have to remind people of that constantly because it was the Democratic Party that was the party of slavery. 
It was the party of Jim Crow. It was the party of the Klan. It was the party of all those things. And they have yet to make amends for that. Juvenile points of contact will be trained to recognize common indicators of these crimes in order to seek engagement by our ICE colleagues to provide protection and support to these children when needed who are being enslaved. While ensuring fair adjudication of their cases before the court. The new initiative is for the well-being of children throughout the immigration proceedings. Now, this is all well and good, and I don't want to see children get exploited. But where are all of the children who have come into the United States of America? Where are they located right now? Nobody can tell you. Nobody can tell you. Nobody can tell you where these enslaved children are around the nation. They've just released them into the into the middle of the country, and who knows where they are. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. But this administration is not making this a priority. It's not. They're just not making this a priority. And the reality is, if if they're not willing to speak up for the well-being of enslaved children, enslaved women, enslaved men, enslaved elderly, then we have to do it ourselves. And we have to acknowledge that Joe Biden has a tremendous slavery problem in this country. Because the people who are coming into this country are coming into this country under false pretenses. They're not able to present themselves at, at any sort of a normal place where they're going to be considered for uh, a protection. They're being taken on trains, in caravans, all the way up here to the United States of America. And who is it that's benefiting from the slavery business that is operating through Central America, South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, the, the, uh, the Asian nations, Europe. Who, who is benefiting from this? Criminal cartels. Criminal cartels are the people who are benefiting from this of a variety of sorts. But these are not people who are free because you're brought into the country and then you're supposed to pay off your enslaving, you know, controllers. But nobody wants to call it that. I look at CNN right now. Colorado GOP appeals Trump ballot banned to Supreme Court. And there's Brianna Keeler and, and Kinzinger and company. They're talking about that. They're not talking about children that are being enslaved. They're not talking about women that are being enslaved and abused. They're not talking about men that are being enslaved and abused. I can go over to uh, MSNBC, and I'm sorry. I mean, I know it's the holiday season. We shouldn't be talking about ugly things. It should be about let's have cookie recipes and eggnog for all. Um, but I go over to MSNBC. It's the same thing. I go over to the Foxy News Channel. What do I see on the Foxy News Channel? The big story with Martha McCallum. It's, you know, how to cut a bunt cake. This is a serious issue. The Republican Party was founded on the notion of abolition of slavery. And what is happening at the border is the continuation of slavery. And you have a Democrat president and a Democrat vice president and a Hakeem Jeffries, who's in charge of the Democratic Party in the House of Representatives. And you have Chuck Schumer. All of them are dead silent about this matter. So what I'm going to do when we come back is I'm going to present to you a couple of compelling clips from a guy called Henry Cuellar. He's a Democrat. He's from Texas. He's concerned about this. And I'm going to let you hear one shocking fact. News Talk 1110. 
99.3 WBT. I'm getting feedback. It is uh, good to be with you here today, 704-570-1110. I am uh, sitting here, and I want to play a clip for you. It's going to be cut number one, and cut number one is Henry Cuellar, who is uh, uh, a congressman from the state of Texas. And here's the deal. Henry Cuellar is a congressman from the state of Texas, and he knows something about the border and how it's uh, not really functioning well. Here's the deal. Cut number one, how the border functions go. What they're doing is just processing people. They get people from Eagle Pass or Rio, send them over to San Antonio, flying from San Antonio into the interior of the U.S. We're good at processing people, but we got to go back to what worked. If you look at the numbers straightforward for the last 25 years, for the last 25 years, when somebody goes in front of an immigration judge, 13 percent will be accepted and the rest will be rejected. So why are we processing hundreds of thousands of people where at the end of the day, which I'm talking about four or five years from now, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be accepted. So I agree. You know, the border has been ignored. They're listening too much to the immigration activists, the White House. And a lot of members of Congress and the Senate listen to the immigration advocates. But who's listening to the border communities? 17. Still getting mixed minus, by the way. Um, 17 percent. 17 percent. Get accepted. Or 13 percent. Get accepted. Why is Joe Biden letting everybody in? Why is Joe Biden getting letting everybody in if they know full well that the adjudication is really only going to be good for 13, 17% of the people that are crossing the border. Why is he doing this? Well, I'll explain it to you in a second. Give me cut number two, please, of uh, Henry Cuellar. Okay, never mind. Um, so here's what's happening here, folks, okay? What's happening here, it's Merc- Mercury's in retrograde, so this is why this is all happening. Um, here's the deal. You have a situation on your hands where they have purposely front-loaded. We don't know what the number is going to be. So I'm going to use a hypothetical number. I'm just going to pull a number out of my, out of my hat, and I'm going to say to you that uh, by the time Joe Biden is finished doing the damage he's done in the first term to this country in a wide variety of ways, but specifically on the border, uh, you, we're probably going to have, and I think it's a fair number, probably 12 and a half. 13 million people that have come into the country. So let's pretend that Joe Biden wakes up and says, you know what? I'm not going to be the president. I'm going to lose this election to Donald Trump. I'm acknowledging that, whatever it is. We tried to put him in jail. We tried to put all the voters uh, for Donald Trump in jail. We tried to do all this stuff. But what he's doing is he is sowing for the future, for the future radicals of America. Okay, you have to understand something here. Go back to the original election of Donald Trump. When Donald Trump got elected in 2016 and was sworn in in 2017, Donald Trump's main issue for the most part was border security, making sure that our borders were not overrun by every person who wanted to just show up in the United States. And we know what a catastrophe it was under Obama, Biden, Obama, Biden, right? I mean, it was it was a really bad scene. In fact, Obama, Biden, Obama, Biden decided they were going to create a whole new class of people called the dreamers. And and, and, and the reality is that Donald Trump wanted to cut a deal with Dick Durbin, 
uh, to regularize, normalize the, the dreamers in exchange for a secure border package. And because Donald Trump said something that Dick Durbin didn't like, he, he scuttled the deal. And so the dreamers to this day have still not been taken care of. And, and we're talking about almost uh, eight, almost 20, you know, almost uh, 12 years, almost 12 years of, of this of this mess in Meyer that was not fixed. So do you remember what happened when Donald Trump attempted to send deportation agents into cities around the country, Oakland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, all of these jurisdictions declared themselves as uh, sanctuary cities, and they weren't going to cooperate with ICE. And, and that, was a, that was a big deal. So understanding that you'll have 12 million people, okay? So I want you to think about this number here, 12 million people, okay? And they are going to reject 87% of those people. Okay? That means that 10,400,000 would be ineligible to come into the United States out of the 12 million. All right? So why is Joe Biden just letting them all in? Because he understands in the best strains of Alinsky and Bill Ayers and Soros and Obama... He understands something very important, that he is going to lay, lovingly lay these landmines throughout the country so that nobody is ever going to get deported. Nobody is ever going to get repatriated. If you've got 12 million people coming in, heck, let's, I'll, do, I'll, I'll cut it in half. I'll give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt and say it's only 6 million additional people that he's bringing in uh, under, under this administration. So six million people come in, six million people come in and 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 really it's only going to be five point seven million that have to be deported out of the United States, return to their countries. You're talking about like 15,000 jumbo jets going out to try to repatriate these people back to their countries. And in many cases, these countries are going to say no to the United States because they want to unload uh, the, the people who are uh, not as productive inside their countries. And they understand that with the remittance money that comes from the United States to, to 160 countries around the world, that's a big chunk of change. This is a big chunk of change. You know how much money? in 2023 was remitted out of the United States to the rest of the world, not Mexico, the, re the whole rest of the world. Could be France, could be Germany, could be wherever. You know how much money is getting remitted to other countries uh, from the United States of America? $860 billion. $860 billion. Think about that amount. Eight hundred, Almost a trillion dollars is going to other countries to prop them up. So Joe Biden has no incentive to enforce the border. None. I mean, I mean, zero. Like, there's no reason to enforce the border. Because if suddenly you ran everybody out of the country that wasn't supposed to be in the country, and that remittance stuff dried up, you'd have revolutions throughout the entire world exploding because people need the money that comes from the United States of America. 
I would argue if you were a Republican candidate for office, one of the arguments you could make is, well, heck, if we're remitting out $860 billion of money around the world, almost a trillion dollars of money around the world, then why don't we cut our foreign aid budget? I mean, that is foreign aid that's being remitted legally and illegally out into the rest of the world. See, this is the reality of things, but nobody wants to talk about it in these terms. They'd rather talk about it in terms of uh, AOC standing in a white pants suit crying outside of a, of, of a Biden cage. That's all they want. They don't want to deal with the facts and the realities of all this stuff. I mean, all you got to do is do the research. But Henry Cuellar was 100% correct when he says only like 13% of the people that claim that they're here for asylum are going to be allowed to stay here. Joe Biden figures, forget about that. We're just going to let everybody in. And the tell for this is the fact that he wants people to go easy on the Utes. Why would he want those Utes running all around unaccompanied around the country? It's because... They understand that they have to backfill the public schools that people are abandoning. And the teachers unions are looking for a payback. I do believe that that is the case in the blue cities in the Northeast and the far West and into um, into the Midwest. It's it's quite it's quite something. It's quite lucrative for the Democratic Party to have immigration chaos continue. And you can thank Teddy Kennedy for all of it. Hey, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that uh, the swatting uh, thing continues uh, unabated. Rick Scott, the senator from the state of Florida, was swatted earlier. uh, Was it today? Yeah. U.S. Senator Rick Scott announced on his social media that unknown individuals deliberately and illegally harassed him by calling a false criminal police claim causing the Naples Police Department to respond to his residence last night while at dinner with my wife, the cowards swatted my home in Naples. These criminals wasted time and resources of our law enforcement in a sick attempt to terrorize my family. The act of falsely calling the police is called swatting, which is extremely dangerous considering that the false allegations are made so that a maximum police presence arrives, usually heavily armed with SWAT teams. There have been instances of swatting that have resulted in death as a result of police discharging their weapons or by the victim sustaining a heart attack. And so this apparently is the new uh, the new approach by the radical left uh, to do this sort of stuff. Um, It's a it's a real shame that uh, that it's come to this. And, uh, you know, this is this is the, the this is the world we're living in in 2023. It's a really quite something coming up. Uh, details on the COVID surge. How about that? Where's Tony Fauci? Where's, I thought Tony, where's Tony Fauci? Uh, let's go out and talk to Alan first up. Alan, welcome to the program. Hey, Brett. Hello. Just, uh, you're taking my call and I love listening to you on the way home. Thank you, man. Uh, I think you've hit on something that hasn't really been given the right amount of attention. I think the minute that we um, treat being here illegally as a crime, then you actually get to seize all of the things that were involved in that crime, including money. So if we are uh, the net em- the greatest employer of Mexico, let's just say, yeah. and all this money is being sent to Mexico, then you can randomly say, we're going to seize every transfer into the Bank of Mexico on Friday. <laughs> and all you got to 
All you have to do now to get it released is give me your I-9 and your documentation that you're here legally, and, and then it's released. And if it's not, it's impounded. Well, but here, here's the thing, and, and, and to be fair, okay, yes, Mexico is one of the countries that benefits from us, but it's, it's amazing when you look at where all the money comes from out of the United States, because I, I actually went and found the list earlier today, so number one is India. India uh, remits $125 billion from the United States to India. Mexico, $67 billion. China, $50 billion. The Philippines, $40 billion. And Egypt, $24 billion. That's an impressive list of, of people that are benefiting from that. But I can it tell you is. right now, I would work for about two days if what I sent back was impounded. Uh, and, and I would not be interested in coming here if, if the fruits of my labor were not going to get home to mom and dad. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, but but here's the problem, okay? And, and the problem is, and I hate to, I, I hate to, believe me, I want to see it enforced. I want to see all this stuff happen. Um, but the reality is, a lot of this stuff goes as digital. A lot of it goes, so, so they're not, you're not walking into like the Western Union with a stack of, you know, 50 grand in, in, in $1 bills, right? So what we really would need to do, if you wanted to staunch this, what you'd want to do is you'd say, okay, we're going to put um, a 30% tax on all the remittances going out of the country that's going to go back into the coffers of the federal government so that we can pay for all of these uh, undocumented people that have now come into the country, right? We're going to take 30% of the $860 billion, um, and we're going to use that to pay for stuff uh, that we have to pay for because the border's wide open. Um I mean, this this is this is this is kind of where, where where we are here. You know, they, there isn't the money necessarily to grab, but there certainly is the money available to tax for sure. I mean, as soon as you interrupt that, even the cartel guys, their money train gets interrupted too. I no, mean, that's true. That's true. Oh no, 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 no. They, you know what the deal is with them? That's straight cash. They are getting they're getting duffel bags of cash. Because they're not gonna they're not gonna risk the the, the remittance uh, game uh, at all. Great stuff, Alan. I appreciate you being out there. Let's go to Jeff next up. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. One thing I don't know if it's being talked about is you've got these sanctuary cities that allow people to vote in municipal elections, mm -hmm. sanctuary states. So with all this addition to the population on a federal level, will they get more congressional seats? Well, yes, because they do count. Those communities, you know, they all they do is count the number of people. So if you're in the country illegally, you are still part of the census number. Yes, exactly. So so you don't even have to worry about flipping Congress. You're going to get another 10, 12 seats. Uh, that, that's possible, but it's, but, but that's, remember that's on a, on a, on a decade basis. So we, we won't know for, about that until we get to what, 2030 or whatever the census will be at that point. But holy cow, if Biden gets reelected, he may be, he may, he may, uh, he may have brought in uh, 40, 40 million people uh, by the time he's done with his handiwork. I mean, this is this is really quite something. Yep. And and I think you're, right, you're spot on. Yeah, you got it, man. Great stuff. I appreciate you being out there today. I mean, look, we have really smart listeners. We have really smart listeners. Let me go back, though, because this kind of stuff fascinates me. And I, I'm sure it fascinates many of you. I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you like the numbers of what we've got in terms of remittances. OK, because 
everybody thinks like Mexico, right? It's just Mexicans. It's all Mexico. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's really not. Um, it's, it's about $860 billion that is spread throughout the world, okay? Um, remittance from the United States. The United States continues to be the largest source of remittances. The top five remittance recipient countries I just gave you. India, 125. Mexico, 67. China, 50 billion. Philippines, 40 billion. Egypt, 24 billion. Economies where the remittance inflows represent substantial shares of gross domestic product. Well, these are countries like Tajikistan. 48%. 48% of the funding in Tajikistan comes from us. Because of the outflow. Tonga, 41%. Samoa, 32%. Lebanon, the land of, you know, the land of Hezbollah, 28%. And Nicaragua is 27%. It's really, it's incredible. Now, here's the craziest part of the story. And I'll pay it off on the other side of this, but here's the craziest part. Back in the 2000s, like the mid-2000s, when Joe Biden was president of the United States, Hunter Biden tried to enter into a deal with Carlos Slim, who is one of the wealthiest people in the world at that time. And do you know what Hunter Biden was trying to perfect with Carlos Slim when he met him down in Mexico City? Digital wallets for remittance money. We don't know if it ever came to pass. Wouldn't that be something? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. I'm with you till 7 o'clock. So you can call, I mean, you can call me now, because I am live. This is not like best of. Um, I am I'm live right now. It's 349 and 37 seconds on the clock. Uh, I, 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 am, I am here live, and I will be here until uh, 7 o'clock. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things. It's going to be it's going to be a, fa- a fascinating journey into a into a number of different things. Uh, but but I, I have to I have to uh, I really honestly I don't even know how to approach this topic because I never in my life thought that this would come to pass, and now it has come to pass, and it really causes me to lose faith in humanity. 20% of young people support Osama bin Laden. I know we have a lot of veterans in this audience, veterans of a variety of conflicts, and the, the, the idea that you could have a human being in 2023 come out and embrace the notions of Osama bin Laden to me is is unbelievable it's unbelievable it's it's truly shocking and i understand there are idiots there are morons there are reprobates there are people who still will celebrate hitler i i understand that i understand that um but a shocking Daily Mail poll shows that Osama bin Laden still has lots of support from young Americans. 
the former al-Qaeda leader whose brain was removed from his body by SEAL Team 6 during a raid in Pakistan, is back in the news because after Hamas attacked Israel, you had a lot of people celebrating Osama bin Laden's letter to why it is America needs to be attacked. And these are people who go to quality colleges. These are people who probably come from quality parents who probably don't even know that their children living under their roof love Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. Many people, mostly on the younger side, showed support for bin Laden's criticisms of Israel and American foreign policy. But you now have young people who are celebrating Osama bin Laden. Poll from the Daily Mail found 20% of American adult voters under the age of 30 have a positive view of Osama bin Laden. To make matters even more troubling, 30% of Gen Z members believe bin Laden was a force for good. 20% of the American adult voters under the age of 30 have a positive view of a person who incinerated 3,000 people in one day. And who killed another five, six thousand in the aftermath, 10,000, 15,000 in the aftermath of of um, the the 9-11 attacks. Imagine that. Now, I went to New York City in the beginning of the summer. Uh, I I went there for for a conference and I had not been back to the site of the World Trade Center. Since I, I left New York originally, I, I had never been back to the site of where the where the tower came down. And uh, I wanted to go because I, I have a cousin who was murdered that day um, in, in New York City. And I wanted to go and I wanted to see his name uh, uh, carved uh, into the uh, the granite there uh, that commemorated that commemorated his 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 murder. And, and, and as I stood there looking at the, the memorial, and I thought about all the work that my grandfather had put in to uh, erect the two towers of the World Trade Center. He was a cement mason uh, who, who laid that concrete all the way up to the top of that, to the top of that, uh, that building. Um, who fought in World War II was an honorable man, and, and 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 they had that thing knocked down, and they took it down, and and as I, I stood there thinking about that, I, I thought to myself, um, is America going to really remember what happened on on November, September the 11th? Is is America going to remember that? And then I was thinking about this when I saw this poll, and I thought. What would you do if you found out your child was an admirer of Osama bin Laden? Like, what would you do? I, I know, like, how I would feel because we, I lost people who were related to me uh, in, in the attack. And, and, I, and I think about all of the amazing men and women who fought in the war on terror. North Carolina, South Carolina, you have got amazing rock-ribbed patriots who went over there and did their duty. And I wondered how many of them and how they would react if they came across some real smart-alecky, 
you know, rife little person who was telling you or them that they admired Osama bin Laden. I wondered what that reaction would be like. I wondered about that. See, I, 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 I am, I'm shocked by a lot of things, but this, this shocks me like the most. This shocks me the most when I think about him slaughtering American citizens, targeting innocent men and women and children. And we have people that live and work among us in a fifth column that worship the guy. Like what, what, what is to be done with these kinds of people? And I don't mean it in a, I'm not talking about a kinetic way because clearly these are people who are non copus mentis. You can look that up. Nobody knows Latin anymore. Um, but what does, what is one supposed to do when they discover that the call is coming from inside the house and you have an admirer of Osama bin Laden living under your roof? Or dating your child or, 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 or is married into your family. What does one do in that regard? Like I tried to, I tried to compare it to something else because is it like having a, a Soviet KGB spy marry into your family? Uh, as, as disgusting as the Soviets were. I mean, I, I understand that that's a communist ideology and, and, and perhaps you can almost try to reprogram them. But I don't know that someone who can admire Osama bin Laden can even be repaired. How, how does one repair someone like that? I, I remember being in college in the 80s and 90s, and I remember seeing dirt bags on my campus with the Che shirts. Are we ever going to see the dirt bags in our colleges with people wearing Bin Laden shirts? And if you came across somebody like that, what would you say to them? What would you say? I don't know. I certainly wouldn't get kinetic with them, but I'd want to know. Why? Why embrace the murder of all the innocents? 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Hour number two of the Brett Witterbull Show underway I, I i'm not doing the story tommy i'm not i'm not doing the story i i can't do this story if i do this story but you people promised. are gonna get mad people are gonna get mad if i do this story but this you story, promised Brett. this story just started moving and now if i do this story people are gonna have emotions about this i don't know if i okay all right well uh, put put the super delay on and if people start to get you know negatively reacting you know, we'll, 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 we'll pivot to something else. Okay, there, Tommy? Okay, good. Here we go. Colorado Secretary of State says Trump is back on the ballot. Unless, of course, the Supreme Court rules he should be disqualified. So um, you, you might remember this from last week where the uh, it, was, it was four justices, all leftist justices in the state of Colorado, um, who came out and said, no, he cannot be on the ballot. He's not allowed to be on the ballot because he's too dangerous. 
Uh, he's an insurrectionist, all this sort of stuff. Despite what I said yesterday when I was reading the piece from Paul Greenfield over at Front Page Mag that said, how can you say he's an insurrectionist if no insurrection was actually called by insurrection name? You know what I'm saying? But okay. The Colorado Secretary of State says that he is back on the primary ballot unless the Supreme Court rules that he should be disqualified. So how's this going to work? Well, Trump will remain on the presidential primary ballot in Colorado for now. It comes after the Colorado GOP appealed the state's ruling to the Supreme Court. Colorado Supreme Court is using Clause 3 of the 14th Amendment to say Trump is disqualified from running because he engaged in an insurrection on January the 6th. Donald Trump is, is, is back on, on the ballot. So the Republican Party in Colorado filed Wednesday asking the U.S. Supreme Court to look at the lower court's ruling that disqualified Trump from running on the presidential ballot because of the role that they allege in the January 6th Capitol riot. Colorado Secretary of State Gina Griswold, would, would she be like the niece of Clark Griswold from... From from the Christmas movie? Is that holiday vacation? I mean, is that is that what we got going on here? Colorado Secretary of State Gina Griswold announced that Trump will, for the time being, remain on the ballot, which goes to print on January the 5th. Wow, look at that. So you're talking eight days from now when it goes to print. Unless the SCOTUS affirms the lower court's ruling or otherwise declares de declines to take the appeal. The 4-3 ruling earlier this month said Trump would not appear on the state's primary ballot according to a 155-year-old 14th Amendment clause that bans those from office who engaged in insurrection. But, but the, the 155-year-old 14th Amendment clause existed before Donald Trump was alive and it was meant to keep Confederates, Democrats off the ballot. And Colorado wasn't even a state. I don't think was Colorado even a state. I don't think they were even a state back 155 years ago. Although Colorado's 10 electoral college votes are unlikely to go to the Republican candidate anyway. Of course. I mean, you see, did you see Polis? Do you see Jared Polis, the, the, the governor, singing Feliz Navidad, being culturally appropriated uh, with that silly dance that he was doing? Well, it's unlikely that Colorado's 10 electoral college votes are going to go to the Republican candidate anyway. Not even Nikki Haley? Not even Christy Christie? Crispy Christie? Um, and the state isn't really highly important to the Republican primary. The ruling could set a precedent for a slew of other states looking to remove Trump from the ballot. So you know what they're going to do? They're going to watch this. I guarantee this. Every Biden state is going to throw Trump off the ballot. Uh, that's that's going to be the next move. That's got to be the next move. Every Biden state, every so like Washington state, Oregon, California. Actually, although, you know what? I have to give credit. I got to give credit to Gordon Gecko, the governor of California, because he came out and said, this is stupid. Do not block the guy from running. It's up to the citizens of the states to make the decision, not 
not four Supreme Court justices. Now, that really hurts me because I have to actually give Gordon Gecko, a.k.a. any twosome newsome credit for what he's doing. Like, I have to actually give him credit. You know, broken, broken clock is right twice a day. But it hurts. But he was right. He, he's right. You, 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 you put him on the ballot, and then you decide whether or not you want to support him. And that's what you do. See, this is the fundamental difference between um, conservatives uh, and, and, and the Democrats, right? Or, or let's say Republicans and the, and the, and the, and the uh, Democrats. Because people inside the Democratic Party really love the notion of the superstructure, and what you have over on the Republican side is you have a conference. That's why it was so hard to, to get Mike Johnson in as the speaker, right? Because a conference, you have to have enough people that you convince to come to your way of thinking, and then you make the decision. You have a superstructure inside the Democratic Party, and I'm, I'm not being partisan in any way, shape, or form about this. Um, you, there's only one party that uses superdelegates. It's the Democratic Party. There's no superdelegates in the—I don't believe there's any superdelegates in the Republican Party. It's the Democrats that have the superdelegates, meaning um, if somehow RFK Jr. got to the convention, they can steal the nomination from him and just give it to Joe Biden. That's the superstructure that they have. You ever see how like nobody ever crossed Nancy Pelosi inside the Congress when she was running the Congress on, on, on her side of the aisle? Because they have that superstructure, top-down control mechanism to punish people who don't play ball— and to elevate people who play ball. And I'm, again, not even a partisan argument. I mean, this is, this is just straight facts. H- how is it that you could see, say, Matt Gates and Nancy Mace and those, what, seven, eight people get rid of Kevin McCarthy? You could never see. You would never, ever, 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 ever see um, the Speaker of the House if, 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 if Hakeem Jeffries was elevated to the Speaker of the House, you would never see eight Democrats be able to bounce him from office. No way. No way. They would, they would, they would strip them of everything but their clothing. And so that's the difference between the two parties. And so what happens is, because the Democratic Party, and I'm not being partisan, I'm just observing this. I will tell you when I'm being partisan. Um, they have a superstructure that keeps everybody in line. And so if, like hypothetically, if the Democrats wanted to get rid of somebody, they can do it inside the structure. And if they are not able to do it, you'll, they'll get punished if they try to do it. And so that's, that's, that's why the difference in mentality between the two different parties. Uh, you, you have a, a more of a grass, grassroots party sort of in the Republican picture and you have on the Democrat side a, a much more rigid regime that has control over the members. And, and it's funny because a lot of times the Republicans wish they had the ability to, to, to get these people to get in line and they are not able to do it, which is tricky. John McCain, the maverick, right? Um, of course, you, you remember – a guy named Mitt Romney, right? He was going his own way and sticking it to the man, all that sort of stuff. You never see that with the Democrats in the Senate or in the House. Some people like that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. You know, I know it's Christmas week. 
And I know I should be telling you guys like happy, good stuff. I know I should, but I have to see. This is the challenge of being a talk show host on a holiday week because I, I have just become aware of a story that I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking right now here, Tommy, that I might just leave. Not really, but, um, I got it. Did you see the story? Uh, this is like the worst. This is, uh, this is like a top five worst story of the year. I think there's this guy in New York city. His name is Steve Hutcherson. And I'm just going to read the story. I'm just going to read the story to you. This is, do not, do not, under any circumstances, any of the people in the sound of my voice, do not go to New York City. I'm serious. You're going to understand why in a second. Then I'm going to give you another reason why you shouldn't go to New York City. Okay. This guy, Stephen Hutcherson from the Bronx, he stabbed two teen girls on Christmas and yelled, I want all the white people dead already out of jail. A man accused of stabbing two teenagers at New York City's Grand Central Terminal on Christmas Day has been released back onto the streets of the city. The alleged assailant, Stephen Hutcherson, 36 years old of the Bronx, attacked two teenage girls at a restaurant at the Grand Central Dining Concourse on Monday after arguing with restaurant staff over sitting in the establishment's area. According, according to reports, he remarked that the two teenage girls, 114 and 116, were allowed to sit there, and then he pulled out a knife and stabbed them. One of them was stabbed in the thigh with this filthy knife, The other was stabbed in the back and ended up with a collapsed lung at Bellevue Hospital. The man shouted racist remarks as well. Law enforcement sources told the New York Post at the time that the man yelled, I want all the white people dead. I want to sit next to the crackers. This is far from the man's first infraction. This man is known to be severely bipolar i guess right he is he he is known to the police he's been arrested 17 times for disruptions and assaults and things like that 17 times over the last two decades he's been the subject of more than a half a dozen domestic violence complaints by a manhattan woman that he has stalked for over a year and when they brought him to court in front of a judge named Matthew Greco, that Eric Adams, that dope, uh, appointed, he let him go. He let the guy go. He stabbed two kids on Christmas Day at a restaurant, walked up to them and stabbed them. And they let him go. Now, what are the odds he's going to come to Charlotte? Probably not very high. But the problem is... If, if you can go into a restaurant and stab two teenagers who are doing nothing but sitting and eating and the judge decides, congratulations, Merry Christmas, I'm going to let you go. What 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 are we what are we doing? Like, how how is that like even just like if he is this um 
if, if, if this man who is committing these acts is out of his mind to this degree, how is it, how is it a, um, a benefit to the man to just be able to run through the streets doing whatever he's doing to people? If he's known as somebody who has a mental health issue, shouldn't you have him, shouldn't you have him checked? I mean, it's, there's a record of all of these things, right, over the course of two decades. But they let him go. So what happens when he pushes, like, somebody in front of a train? Or what happens when he does uh, any of this sort of stuff? And, and, and look, that's not, that's not even, like, the worst story about New York City today. The worst story, worser than that, as uh, Keith Olbermann would say, worser than, than this story with Hutcherson, Worse than that is the fact that uh, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula is putting the band back together. You might remember Anwar Alawaki. He was the guy that was running, um, uh, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, a, a major terrorist group uh, in the Middle East back during uh, the bad old days of the Obama-Biden administration when they were uh, telling people that that ISIS and all these groups were the JV squad. Anwar Alawaki um, was the inspiration for these groups. And now they have just released a video. You can find it if you go on this website called Memory, M-E-M-R-I. It's the Middle East um, uh, Monitor Organization. Um, this organization, AQAP, has now released a video with their intent to attack New York City. So if you had plans on going up to New York City for the new year or any of that sort of stuff, I would I, I just would be cautious uh, if you're going to go up to that city, uh, not because you just have this maniac that stabs people for no reason, but uh, what, what these organizations will typically do is they'll put out these preview reels, these, these sort of, um, uh, they'll put out their intent to do something. And a lot of times, uh, they they are accurate as to what they're intending to do, and they do try to do it. So in this case, they, there's images of the subways in New York. There's images of a plane flying into a building, like a lot of stuff like that. So if you have any kind of a plan to spend time, I, I, I would probably not go to New York City for a variety of the reasons uh, that are out there. But this is unfortunate because this is the... The, the jewel city of the country, right? New York, it's where everybody wants to go and everybody wants to be. Um, and it has become an ungovernable mess all the way around. And, and what's interesting to me is, like, it, it, if this was a guy who was, I'm, I'm just going to use a vernacular here, this, this guy who uh, stabbed the kids, if this guy, say, was a, quote gun nut right if he was a gun nut and he was he was in a uh in kentucky let's say okay and he had a track record of shooting people i'm trying to use like an analogy to new york and he had a he had a history of shooting people that he didn't like right and had a mental uh, illness if issue uh, at hand do you think that chuck schumer would run in front of the microphones in the city of New York and, and declare that Mitch McConnell has got to do common sense gun control. We don't have common sense knife control. We don't have common sense nut control. We don't have common sense danger control. We don't have. So why are we not seeing people staked out in front of Chuck Schumer's office asking him, 
hey, are you cool with this guy? Um, it, it, are you cool with this guy walking free and, and harming people? Because apparently, like, there's nothing that there's nothing that's triggering these attacks. He's just attacking people, and the cops just keep letting them go. You know, I, I just I, I look at this and I go, wait a minute, hold on a second. There has to be a duty for public safety to have a role here. I would think. I, I, I would think that that would be the case. I mean, this is um, th- this is this is a world that has now been created, really, just since 2019. It it, it is it is 2023. We are f- three and a half, four years into the chaos of. Everything that came about as a result of COVID and a number of other things, this, maybe you disagree, feels to me like it's by design to take down the most important cities in the most important country in the world. How do we fix it? Thank God for CMPD and the law enforcement efforts that are made every day here in Charlotte and in the environmental uh, communities around here. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. Uh, people are reacting to me and uh, reacting to the story about the guy that got cut loose after stabbing kids. Well, um, you know, you... You can tell a lot about a community by what's valued. Uh, public safety is not valued. Uh, you should always consider whether or not you want to live in a place where public safety is not valued. Let's go to Robin. Robin, welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Hello. Good. How are you, Robin? Good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. Yeah. My question was, do you think that um, if this guy attacks one of my children... Mm-hmm. And I defend them, and I hurt him. Am I going to jail? Oh, you're going to jail, and um, you're going to be pa- your pa- face will be plastered all over the news. There'll be marches out in front of your house. There'll be all sorts of things. Absolutely, there's a constituency for this for this sort of lawlessness. Yes, indeed, for sure. Exactly. So, a parent, uh, Christian, we're just mm-hmm. got like a target on our chest, right? Well, I, here's what I say. Here's what I say. Okay. Uh, you have a choice in where you want to go, where you want to spend your money, where you want to spend the night, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I believe that um, we are, it is too dangerous to go to New York or Washington, D.C., uh, to Chicago or Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle or Houston or Dallas or any not Baltimore. There's a lot of places that I don't feel safe going to. In fact, I'm saying this right now. I got invited to go to CPAC. CPAC for a couple of years was was down in uh, was down in Florida in Orlando. This year, CPAC is going to be in Washington D.C., and I am not going to attend. I I am absolutely not going to attend uh, to to that event, even though it's an election year event, because Washington D.C. is far too dangerous to risk going there to hear from politicians. I mean, this we I have agree. got to make yeah. we have got to make spe- specific decisions and 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 keep our money and our business out of these communities that are far too dangerous to 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 allow ourselves to even go into. You know, I mean, yeah, is, I agree. Is, and the contrast is like Japan. I was there last Christmas, 
Mm-hmm. You don't lock your doors in Japan. You have to lock your car door because laws are enforced. And if you yes. break the law, you are going to jail. And therefore, it's like one of the safest, most clean, nice places you've ever seen sure. because laws are enforced. You see, this is this is a very important point. Um, you, we, we have the freedom to spend our money in the places we want to spend it and to go to the places we want to go to, whether it's overseas or, or here in the States. But people need to pick very carefully. Look, this has been a wake-up call in a lot of ways for the last three years. Look at the colleges and universities. I wouldn't want any of my kids going to any of these schools that have got the Hamas things going on and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you, you have to pick wisely on how it is you want to invest your time, effort, money, treasure, etc., uh, to, to get the best possible uh, results. Now, there's only one problem with this, though, Robin, and I'm going to tell you what it is. People are able to move freely about the country, and it's really up to people to realize, do you want to be in a community that respects uh, property rights, personal rights, all of that sort of stuff? Or do you want to live in a place where um, you, you don't have that that option? And that's that's the thing that people need to think about, most importantly of all. Where are your individual rights respected and where are they disrespected? And, and I think that's, that's really the, the fundamental test of, of living in any place uh, in this country. Well, I think if you pay federal taxes, regardless of where you live, you are being disrespected because I would never choose to spend my tax money the way that the Biden administration spends. Oh, amen to that. Amen to that. You know, you you think about this, um, and you think about the things that have been normalized, generally speaking, uh, in the culture in just the last few years. And it it is shocking. It, it is a uh, it is a shocking uh, state of affairs. But everybody sees what's going on, and you know what I think is happening. Uh, I think everybody sees what's going on. And they're just kind of keeping their mouths shut and getting ready to vote. And I think that's what's going to be the ultimate determiner here. Well, I'm praying that our vote counts this time. It will count. It will count, Robin. I appreciate you being out there, my friend. Thank you so much for calling. And I hope you have a wonderful new year. I mean, look, there's a lot of really fun places you can go. Like, you can go to Vegas. I would not go to Vegas right now. I wouldn't. I Vegas, it's a great town for a fun time. But again... You know, you saw that horrible story over the summer where the guy's riding his bike, minding his business, and the two punks ran him over thinking it was funny. Like, we we have, we can talk about law enforcement all we want. And this is something I'm, I'm more than willing to go down the road with with you guys. We can talk about law enforcement all we want. But law enforcement is only going to be as effective as they are supported, okay? We have, we have a culture crisis. And the culture crisis we have in our country today is something very specific. The culture crisis we have all all flows from the lack of respect for the very notion of life. Right? Remember all the all, all the elites who got all fired up uh, when 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 they when they saw the Dobbs decision come down and they were they were furious and angry and what did they do? The very first thing you saw with these elites was they were they were looking at targeting the crisis pregnancy centers, the foster centers, those sorts of places. Um, 
the, the most vulnerable people, right? Young people who uh, may have gotten pregnant and, and, and wanted to deliver their baby and wanted to be able to raise that child and take care of that child and love that child. And we were told that life was an oppressive value, that pro-life or life itself is an oppressive value. How can you oppress these people and make them do this or make them do that? We must attack the crisis pregnancy centers. We heard this. I mean, it was spray painted. They were burned. They were all those sorts of things. A culture that doesn't respect life in all of its forms, in all of its forms, right, is, is, is a culture that, that to me will accept random violence and murders and killings in a variety of locations that is a problem that is a we have a crisis of culture and here you have a president the 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 second catholic in american history is the president and and we hear almost nothing about the decency uh, uh and the importance of upholding the value of life you, you get every other kind of thing from them. You get every aspect under the sun. You get, let's go uh, hang out with, uh, with this constituency, that constituency. Let's watch people parading all over the, 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 uh, the lawn of the White House with no shirts on, all this kind of stuff. But man, when it comes to the fundamental issue of life, you, you don't hear that talked about. You don't hear, because he understands that he's going to upset a constituency. And it's just very interesting to me. It's it's really quite something uh, all the way around. You've got to be willing to um, to to respect the dignity of the human being, and the dignity of the human being being upheld when it's somebody who's running around stabbing people, assaulting people. That person themselves has got to be protected from themselves. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Hold on a second there, Tommy. Is Pete Kellner on tomorrow? Uh, my understanding is, is Chad Adams is in for Pete Kellner. Yeah, yeah. We want to be we want to be completely and totally... What's the thing I'm thinking of here? We want to be completely and we want to be totally transparent. Would you rather be... Okay, seriously. Would you rather... If, if you had like a power, okay? If you had a power, okay. would you prefer to be invisible? Okay. Or, right. omn- or omnipresent, no matter where you wanted to be at a given point. I think I would want to be able to be anywhere I wanted to be at any given point because one, you can just go so many cool places, and uh, if you, I assume there's no uh, physical or monetary cost to this, so you're doing it for free. Right. Um, right. So yeah, as cool and helpful as being uh, inv- being able to turn invisible would be. Yes. Uh, I think I would get more enjoyment, more uh, utility out of uh, out of you know being able to be anywhere I want because I don't really I don't have to sneak around that much you know I don't have to okay, be that okay, sneaky okay, a guy okay. so I don't so, need to so be let's invisible. level with me level with okay. me here okay because I mean I want to I want to understand especially given the woke liberal agenda that's out there here's okay. a question here's a question would you spend most of your time being omnipresent at musical events or sporting events definitely sporting events i would go to all of like the bucket list top you know exclusive uh sporting events um every year that's just i would i would that would be uh 
That would be what I did with my, with my power, almost certainly. And not just in America, all over the world. So, Whoa! Um, Whoa, yeah, you go I'd, watch football? I'd go, go watch, watch some football, football maybe some F1 over there. Oh, uh, maybe get some, see, go to Australia or South Africa mm-hmm. or something, get some rugby in. Um, Aussie rules football. I'd, I'd hit them all. That'd be quite something. Go to I a sumo it, wrestling I, thing? I assume that's sumo. still a thing. Wow, sumo. Yeah, of course, there's still sumo, for sure. There's the, why would there not? Was, was sumo outlawed? I don't that, know. I don't know. I just you know. I feel like I never hear about it anymore. You hear about when I, I feel like when I was growing up, sumo wrestlers were mentioned all, all the time, and uh, for some reason, <laughs> no, they weren't. They were. Yes, they were. They were. They were. Sumo wrestlers. Not like individual sumo wrestlers, but like the idea <laughs> of sumo wrestling. Like people, we, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe that was just me. But um, I'm going to tell you something. My sport. If I could do a uh, a, a sport where like you wouldn't like take me out. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Just one time, I think it would be cool to joust. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Growing up, um, you know, the Renaissance Festival that's uh, here, it, that comes mm-hmm. here to Charlotte every mm-hmm. uh, every year. I grew up going to that a few times, and that was obviously the highlight. And I always wanted to uh, be one of the dudes out there riding the horses, sword fighting at, yes. at the end. Yeah, that, that was uh, that'd be big time. That would but be cool. It does seem like it'd be a little scary today. You know, you, it fall, would, it, uh, you, you, you fall off the horse. It, it, it's easy enough well, to fall true. off the horse without someone hitting you with a giant wooden pole. So, oh, that's true. That's a very that's a very good point. Uh, these are the questions I wonder about sometimes. So I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you were willing to play ball there. So omnipresent versus invisible. I bet there's people out there who would want to be invisible. Like would just rather be invisible, but not not in a creepy way. Just they would want to be invisible. Like For sure. I, I could see being invisible and kind of sneaking into Congress and like listening in on the stuff that's talked about, like how how people are considering, you know, this this policy or that policy, you know, like that would be that would be helpful. That would be cool because like I guess being if a talk you show are, host that would be a, that would be like money in the bank. I mean, to a lot, a lot of people, you're kind of it's kind of like you're invisible anyway. You're just a you're just a voice over the air. So that that's kind of that's true. kind of how you already are. But that yeah, that you, you, that is interesting because I guess if you are invisible, you can sneak around a lot more, and uh, you can get into some pretty cool stuff that way. Um, you can learn some stuff a lot of people uh, wouldn't know otherwise. So that would be, that would be fun. That would yeah, be see, fun. That's, these these are the things that I that I that I lay awake at night thinking about. Like what are you know what are the options that we have here, and and you know finding out like, like what's really going down. What are we, what what's what's really the plan going to be here, and that. You know that's that's what I, that's all I'm saying. I just think it's I just think it's one of them really cool things all the way around. Um, yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about this. We have got a uh, a situation in our country that I think is is pretty interesting. And one of the things that I think is uh, super interesting is the entrepreneurial spirit of the Gen Z kids. Now, I, I know I sound like an old man, like waving my arm, saying, oh, you, you, you youngsters. But the Gen Z kids, I, I have interaction with a ton of these folks. And this, I would argue Gen Z is like the most entrepreneurial generation now i you're not z right you're older than z correct there tommy i think you're older than z i think he's older than z um i'm i'm definitely older than z i'm i'm x i'm proudly x okay we are the generation that will save the world if if we really feel like we need to do it um but but the young people who are coming up man they've got businesses they've got stuff they got side hustles 
but they've got like super cool side hustles. Like I know kids and I'm saying kids, but I know young people, young adults who have a variety of businesses that they're running at the same time. Um, And what they're doing is they're working on like these, these unique kind of infrastructure projects and things like that, that are, are, are very much necessary. And I think it's uh, I think it's a very interesting world we are currently inhabiting. I want to talk more about the entrepreneurial nature of the country because that's what's going to ultimately save this country. Uh, let me go to Robert. Robert, welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Brett. Uh, Hello. Welcome back uh, from your short hiatus. I thought um, I thought Chad did a very good job. Um, He's great. He's heard great. You guys just talking about uh, jousting and the, and the Renaissance Festival. I know you're fairly new to this area. I would. I would recommend that you go to the Renaissance Festival. Uh, I guess the next time would be next fall. But uh, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Uh, the jousting part of it is is uh, worth seeing, and um, the just the overall uh, experience is a lot of fun. A lot of good food. Um, the um, a lot of a lot of live uh, little entertainment stands there. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the one other thing I wanted to mention. Very quickly is the the Nikki Haley comment uh, where she kind of flubbed yes. her answer a little bit on the what 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 was the Civil War about and she, yes yes and she did not mention slavery as her first word which she obviously should have um, I I think I, I watched that uh, that little exchange and I and I think I think she had a little bit of a brain freeze right there which by the way. She's up there in front of people all day, every day, running mm-hmm. hard for this nomination, and I, I just think she, uh, she just kind of, she, she thought about it for a few seconds, and then she went into her, her answer about freedom, and I just think it was one of those things where she just, just, uh, just had a little bit of a, of a vapor lock, and these things happen, and I, again, if I had to vote for, if I had to vote today, I would vote for Trump, but if she ends up being the nominee, sure. I think I think she will beat Biden, and that will be fine with me. Uh, listen, I, I think I think that's a very good analysis from you, and I appreciate the tip on the uh, Renaissance Fair. I, I'm going to go next year around. I can't wait to do it, and I appreciate you being there, Robert. Uh, Chad Adams is a tremendous uh, a host, and I appreciate him sitting in for me last week. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is our number three of the Brett Witterbull Show. Great to be here with you on this as we get uh, operating towards, well, tomorrow's going to be the 29th, then it's the 30th, then it's the 31st, then it is New Year's. And again, uh, my daily reminder, this time of the year, you still have time to meet the requirements of your your resolution from this past year, because I don't believe that... You have to give it up just because you came up short once, twice, or 400 times. I mean, you could you could just keep doing it. It's all good. And I am happy to be with you guys. Our telephone number is 704-570-1110 on Twitter, at Winterbull Show. Uh, it is it is good to, uh, good to be with you here. You know what I'm saying? It's important to do the things that we are doing. And what we're doing is operating 
with an eye toward more freedom for we the people. I don't think we can ever have too much freedom. I think freedom is the default position, and um, it is up to us to figure out how it is we are going to live as responsible people. See, we don't have to operate by the lowest common denominator, and we don't have to operate at the highest common denominator. But what we have to respect is the idea that your property is your property, my property is my property, we don't steal, and by stealing, I mean we don't take your stuff But we also don't steal your wages. We don't steal your wages to transfer to preferred groups. This is a problem. I understand that this is a pipe dream, but I'm going to stand up for it anyways. And if you want to have the conversation, we can have it. And if you don't, it's totally your prerogative. I wish and I hope And I pray that we can become mature enough as a society where we have two options in front of us. One, that we can pay a flat or fair tax. Okay? Number one. I like, I really, not going to lie to you, I like the fair tax. I like the idea of paying sales taxes all along the way and then not having to write a big, ugly check to Uncle Sam. That I like. Here's the other thing I like. I like the idea that at some point we will be trusted enough to opt out of Social Security and pursue our own endeavors. Now, that is an unfortunate pairing that I'm giving you because what that is giving you is the greatest possible freedom to do with your money what you will. And unfortunately, you have way too much invested in this country being controlled by this yo-yo, that goofball, and this nincompoop. This is the problem. This really is the problem. I want to use an analogy in this regard. And again, we can have this conversation. I'm not looking to ace out people who are legitimately not able to care for themselves. I want them cared for. I want them cared for. I don't want them laying in the street. I don't want them dying. I don't want any of that sort of stuff. I'm talking about able-bodied people who, who get to a point of success where they say, you know what? I know I paid into the system for all of these years, but I've also had a very nice run of my own, and I'm willing to forego the dollars that I've paid into the system. Just leave me alone. Let me do my fair stuff. Let me let me pay the, the, the smaller tax rate, and I'll surrender back to you uh, into the lockbox all the money that, that, that you've confiscated from me over the course of, say, a 40 or a 50-year career, right? I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Now, the reason why I, I want to bring that up is because we don't have big ideas in this party anymore. And, and, and I don't want to say in this party because it, it sounds like I'm just saying the Republican Party. But we don't have big debates anymore when it comes to the American political system. And a lot of it is because, let's be honest, 
you have a lot of people in the country who are, and I'm not saying this is a derogatory way, ignorant of how the system is supposed to work. There is a lot of ignorance out there in the body politic because after 25 and 30 years of everybody gets a trophy, after everybody uh, has to do climate change, has to do transgender discussions with four-year-olds, has to do all these things, we have really limited the ability for us to aspire to great things because we are being measured by the lowest common denominator as opposed to the highest ideals in society. I want you to think about what's in your refrigerator right now. I'm not going to spy, but I want you to think about what's in your refrigerator right now. Let's say you have a, a quart of milk in your refrigerator right now. And all of a sudden you got a knock on your door and it was somebody from the government who said, we understand that you have a quart of milk in your refrigerator um, we don't want you drinking that quart of milk. We're going to swap it out for you um, with some almond milk or bug milk or whatever it's going to be. We don't want you to consume the cow's milk because of climate change. What would you say to that person? I think you'd probably say, get out of my kitchen, get off my porch and lose my number. You probably would. You probably would. But look at how we look at how we allow the government to micromanage every aspect of our lives, including but not exclusively the appliances you want in your house. Do, do, do you know you may not know this. Do you know that they want to get rid of the stoves? They want to get rid of the hot water heaters They they want to get rid of. Uh, all of these apparatuses that you come to rely upon. And do you know what they're really after? I found this out in the last 24 hours, and I was stunned. They want to get rid of your ceiling fans. Your ceiling fans. Tommy, they want to get rid of your ceiling fans in your house. I need Be that. No. No. Uh-uh. Apparently, it's not just the gas powered stove in your house it's the gas powered ceiling fan in your house can you believe this who knew i didn't know who knew and wait till they come for your gardening implements News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Brett Witterbull's show. Good to be with you. So, so I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't joking uh, around about when I was talking about the uh, Biden administration's ag aggressive campaign to target your home appliances. It's really true. It's a, it's a real story. It's an important story. And I cannot believe that it's just kind of gone under the radar for all intents and purposes. Um, the Biden administration issued numerous energy efficiency regulations in 2023 that they said it would lead to reduced carbon emissions and lower prices. OK, um, here, here's why I want to bring this story up, because you're not going to believe 
what they're trying to get rid of and what they're claiming is going to is going to work for you. Okay, so you should be saying thank you. I'm going to read this to you and you should be saying thank you, Joe Biden. Thank you, Kamala Harris. Um, Thank you for for all that you've done for us. Here it is. The regulations were largely crafted and finalized by the Department of Energy. They target popular home appliances that some of you may have in your house, like perhaps a stovetop. Do you have a stovetop in your house? Do you have a water heater? Do you have a furnace? Do you have a dishwasher? Do you have a refrigerator? Do you have a ceiling fan? This is what they're working on to perfect you as a climate warrior. The Department of Energy which creates no energy at all, said its finalized and proposed regulations will curb emissions, are you ready for this, by 2.4 billion metric tons cumulatively over 30 years. And you are to be applauding President Biden's, quote, ambitious efforts to tackle the climate crisis. And all you have to do is change your stovetop, your water heater, your furnace, your dishwasher, your refrigerator, and get rid of your ceiling fans. Are you going to do that? You're all rolling your eyes. I know exactly where you're coming down on this. You're like, no way, man. No way. But it's going to curb emissions by 2.4 billion metric tons cumulatively over 30 years. At that point, Joe Biden, I think, will be 127 years of age. At the direction of the Congress, the Department of Energy is continuing to review and finalize energy standards for your household appliances. There's an upside to this. And you can say, thank you, Joe Biden. In fact, we're going to open three lines for you to thank Joe Biden for this. 704-570-1110. In addition to reducing the U.S. economy's carbon footprint, the Department of Energy said its regulations will further save Americans... An estimated $570 billion over 30 years. Thank you. So good. So good. They're saving you $570 billion over 30 years. No, that's not $570 billion every year for 30 years. That'd be pretty cool. We're not doing that. We're, we're, we're We're not doing that. We're just saving everybody $570 billion. Now, how are they justifying coming into your house, yanking out your stovetop, your furnace, yanking out your fridge, your dishwasher, yanking out your uh, uh, ceiling fans? How are they doing this? Well, they have the authority under the 1975 Energy Policy and Conservation Act which established a federal program consisting of test procedures, labeling, and energy targets for the consumer products. So that's how they're going to do it. They're going to come in there and be like, hey, Tommy, open the door. We're here for your, uh, we're here for your furnace. 
We're here for everything else. And we're going to pull them all out. And then you're going to have to go and buy new stuff. Okay, that's an exaggeration. Nobody panic. The last thing we need is a standoff someplace. But, you know, this is what their aspiration is. They're going to have you. I mean, look, how before you had a dishwasher, how did you wash your dishes? But before you had a refrigerator, how did you how did you keep your meat? How did you keep your meat? Don't you didn't you hear the stories of your of your parents going down to the creek? They would go down to the creek and beat and beat the clothing on the rocks. And then they would they they would wring them out. They'd they'd wring them out there with their hands. And then they'd put them up on on the solar powered line that was in the backyard. And then and then you'd have some vittles with Grizzly Adams. Do you really need cold stuff in your you don't. If you eat if you just eat vegetables, you don't need cold. You don't why do you need a fridge? There's no you're not eating meat. They're not going to let you eat meat. Bill Gates is saying you can't have any more meat. I mean, come on, for real. If you don't eat your pudding, right? How can you how can you eat your meat? I mean, that's everybody knows that. You yes you. Get behind the woodshed, laddie. I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm just saying to myself, listen, he is trying to perfect this country. This man is a visionary. Now, I, I have been challenged in this regard from my friend Don, who says, do you think Joe Biden will lead by example by removing all the large commercial gas stoves that are installed in the main White House kitchen? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. I wish I did. I wish I did have an answer for that. But what I can't figure out is, are we still allowed to smoke? Uh, Not not, not smoke cigarettes or smoke dope. Of course, everybody can smoke dope. You just smoke dope wherever, right? I mean, that's what everybody's doing now. You ever drive around, you can't even breathe out there. Um, But what about smoking meat? Are we allowed? Well, see, that's meat. You're not supposed to have meat, right? You're not supposed to have any meat. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, are we still allowed to run smokers? Are we allowed to run smokers? Uh, are there solar-powered smokers? Because, man, I like, I like, I love smoked meat. I think smoked meat is like a gift from God. It's amazing what you get to have there. Uh, I, I just, I worry about this, but this is what he's doing. He is going to remake. There was a guy who ran Cambodia many, many years ago who was trying to take him back to year zero. I don't know what the plan is here, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, I still can't wrap my brain around the idea of having to get rid of ceiling fans. Like, I can't, that I can't understand. How much damage are ceiling fans doing in keeping your house cool? I, I don't understand it. Some weirdo is sitting in a cubicle deciding what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. I, I mean, this is, this is straight crazy, folks. And it's an obsession Approaching tyranny. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Wetterville Show. Good to be with you. Let's uh, grab a call here real quick from Barbara, who has been patiently holding on. Barbara, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brett. I just wanted to talk to you about what it was like. I will be 81 years 
young in February. Well, God bless you. And when I was a kid during World War II, mm-hmm. my mom had to draw water out of a well mm. to fill up a cast iron wash pot mm-hmm. to, and with a scrub board, wash our clothes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did not have a refrigerator. We had an ice box mm-hmm. where we had ice delivered to keep mm-hmm. our milk at, that we got out of the cows to keep it cool enough. Mm-hmm. And she churned the milk to make Butter. That's a lot of work. It dang sure was. Mm-hmm. We did not have a, a a washing machine until we moved from Dorada out on Albemarle Road, and it was a Ringer washing machine, and mm-hmm. that also was very cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a bathroom inside the house. Oh, boy. So whenever we moved over on Albemarle Road, Mm-hmm. We did have an electric stove that my mom boiled water on to put in a tin tub mm-hmm. to give all four of us kids a bath. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness my mom let the oldest one get a bath first so she, they didn't have to get into the water that the pee was in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I understand it. <laughs> but, you know, my dad, we always had a big garden. But it mm-hmm. wasn't with a powered machine. It was mm-hmm. with a mule and a plow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you something. How do you feel about going back to those days from the days we're in here now? You know, because Joe Biden's know. trying to take you back to, to, back to 1942. You know I've always said that my parents raised us four kids. To be survivors, and we know how to do it. Yep. But I wonder how many others would be smart enough to realize and how to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, they we won't. Have, most most people won't. They don't know how. You know, they they don't know how to wake up without a, a cell phone waking them up with a with an alarm on the phone. You know what I mean? They, 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 this is this is this is going to be foreign territory for many of these people that. Joe Biden's remaking the economy for. You know, it's such a sad day. Well, we just got to stay in prayer mm-hmm. and hope That's right. that we come out on the better end of this deal. We will. I, I'm optimistic. For us, for us and our kids and our grandkids. That's right. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Look, here's what I think is happening here, okay? You probably remember a phrase from another time. You know the phrase busy work, where someone's just doing busy work? They're not really working. They're just making it look like they're working. Oh, yeah. I think 90% of this administration is doing busy work just to, to make it look like they're trying to accomplish something between now and and election day and i think when you get to election day this particular president is going to be sent packing uh and, and people can finally get back to the business of business if you know what i'm saying barbara oh and don't forget we didn't have electric stoves we had wood stoves yes oh well they, they're not going to let you do that they won't let you burn <laughs> wood that's not allowed that you know that's that's not going to be permitted
You know, that's, that's well, that was the, some of the best bread that ever was baked. Was oh, I believe it. Stove. I believe it. <laughs> that I believe. Okay, that I believe 100%. Oh, gosh. Great to hear from you, and I want to wish you a very happy new year, and I, I look forward to catching up with you in the new year, my friend. Well, it's got to be better. It can't it, be any worse. <laughs> there you go. Be good. Appreciate you being out there, Barbara. Thank you so much for coming by on the show. I mean, look, look, that's a snapshot into how things were done. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just think about, like, the amount of labor you have to go through to churn butter. <laughs> you know what will happen. I, I'm going to tell you. I know exactly what's going to happen. People will hire people to churn the butter for them. Like, you know what? I got something I got to do. I got to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Can you churn this butter for me? And the problem with that is, I mean, let's be honest, you got to do a double take because you're going to be like, what do you mean churn the butter? No, can you, I, I need you to take the milk and churn the butter, man. What are you, what are you doing? I mean, this is, and then, and then what? These people are going to do it for you and they're not going to do it right. They're going to do it too much. They're going to do it too little and it's not going to work. This is this is a problem. There's not going to be standards. What this is going to be, though, is this is going to be a boon for like inspectors to come by and see if your if your if your butter's been churned properly, to come by and see if you were able to properly wring out your vestments there so that you can dry them, uh, all that sort of stuff. I just you know what I never understood. I mean, I think I can figure it out. It's probably involving a fireplace and a fire. How do you dry clothes when it's winter time without a dryer? How am I supposed to how am I supposed to dry my clothes in the winter? I'm going to put it out on a line. I'm going to put it out on a line and I'm going to what? I'm going to let it like just stay out there and freeze. I'm not putting frozen pants on. I, I no way no how. No thank you. I'm I'm not wearing I'm not wearing a frozen shirt. I'm not wearing frozen pants. I'm not wearing frozen socks. Uh, maybe we can barter. Maybe the Biden administration will permit us to barter. Right? You come over and churn my butter, and I'll put on your frozen pants and warm them up for you. Boy, that sounds like that could be some kind of a policy violation, by the way. And I don't want to go any further down that road. Hey, the Marines are transforming themselves. Did you know this? The Marines are transforming themselves to take on China. There's a plan. God, there's so many good plans that come out of the Biden administration. The Marines transformed to take on China. The question is, will they be ready for everything else? A plan to redesign the core is stirring warnings that it may not be the way to go. Oh, that bums me out. Don't tell me Joe Biden's going to wreck the Marines. We'll dive into this straight ahead. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Good to be with you. All right, so the Marine Corps went all in when the Pentagon identified China as the prime national security challenge facing the United States of America. To meet it, the Marines in 2020 proclaimed a thoroughgoing transformation under Force Design 2030. The Corps would do away with its tanks, 
make other cuts and devote fewer resources for its long-held mission as the nation's premier crisis response force. This is the Wall Street Journal. Instead, the focus would be on China, with small teams of missile-toting Marines hopping from island to island in the Western Pacific to attack the Chinese fleet in the conflict. The effort, however, is raising questions about how ready the Marines are to handle unanticipated threats in an increasingly disorderly world. As fighting rages in Gaza and Iranian-backed forces are shooting missiles at U.S. troops and commercial shipping in the region, a Marine expeditionary unit is now floating in the Red Sea, a sign of how the Middle East has forced itself back into the Pentagon agenda. Corps leaders defend the changes, insisting that the leaner but more modern force being fielded can handle the full array of missions. But the Marines' new vision provoked unease among some senior officers. Oh, senior officers. What would the senior officers know, right? Well, let's find out. Let's find out. One of whom fired off a classified memo arguing that the plan went too far and set off opposition from retired Marine generals. Like other retired Marines, I support some of the Marine Corps modernization efforts and its focus on the pacing and the threat in the Pacific, said Sam Mundy, who served as the top Marine officer in the Middle East from 2018 to 2021. But I'm also concerned about what it means for the service's ability to respond globally. The latest crisis in the Middle East underscores the risk of hyper-optimization, said Monday, who has since retired. The wrangling over the Marines' role is central to a broader debate over how the Pentagon prepares for the future, balancing its strategy to counter Beijing's growing might while preserving flexibility to respond to other crises. Since the Pentagon identified China as a disruptive rival six years ago, the Marines have moved farther than other services in shifting from decades of fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan to preparing for the great power conflict. In addition to jettisoning its tanks, the Corps dispensed with most of its cannon artillery batteries, trimmed the number of its infantry battalions, eliminated its units that deploy bridges over rivers, and difficult terrain, and cut the number of F-35 jet fighters and helicopters it has deployed. $16 billion of the money that was saved is being used to develop long-range missile batteries to sink ships, uh, pursue munition carrying and reconnaissance drones, as well as adding other capabilities. The Defense Department officials who support the change argue the Chinese military buildup is so advanced that the Pentagon must shift its focus lest Beijing emerge as the dominant power in East Asia. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has lauded the Marines' transformational effort and willingness to make tough trade-offs to deter the next war. Others, however, cite the Pentagon's poor record in forecasting where where the U.S. may next be called to fight, including in the Middle East, where Iran remains a danger, and which accounts for almost a a third of the world's oil production. Senator uh, Dan Sullivan says, My biggest concern is, does this turn the Marine Corps into a niche force at the expense of the global response capability? He's a senior um, colonel in the uh, Marine Corps Reserve. The debate carries 
particular resonance for the Marine Corps, which has long seen itself as the nation's top 911 response force, but is also anxious to secure a place in the Pentagon's priority mission for deterring China. General Eric Smith, who became the Marine Commandant in September, has reaffirmed his commitment to the redesign while also opening a dialogue with many of the critics who are urging him to reverse the cuts. I'm open to adding anything back in that I believe is required, but you have to, again, have data and research and gaming analysis and experimentation that validates that. The fight over the Marine Corps' future began nearly four years ago when Smith's predecessor, General David Berger, unveiled the Force Design 2030. As an assistant commandant, Smith went through every part of the planning. Like most Marines, Berger had served in the U.S.'s forever wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. His, tra- his formative experience was in the Pacific, where he became preoccupied with a different challenge. China's strategy to keep the U.S. at arm's length if conflict erupts by attacking military bases and aircraft carrier battle groups that the U.S. has long relied on to marshal forces and supplies in the region. The decade-long plan, which envisioned the creation of three new literal regiments in the Pacific, marked a striking departure from Pentagon jockeying. The Corps didn't seek a bigger slice of the defense budget, but would fund the transformation with offsetting cuts. The new strategy has its risks. Supplying island-based units under attack would require new logistical capabilities that had yet to be developed. But Berger's champions say he was the one change agent that the military needed. The question becomes, right? The question becomes, what is the future? How is this going to play out? You know, we've been told by the administration that Joe Biden's got a good relationship with with Xi Jinping, right? Xi Jinping would certainly never hammer us, would he? Would he? I mean, you, you look at this and you just say to yourself, well, what, what's, what's the answer? What happens? The concern that I have over this entire approach, and I, and I don't know what I'm talking about, but the, the, the concern that I have is that everything this guy touches goes south. And, and everything that the guys that support the guy touches just seems to become chaotic. I, I'm very curious to see what you what you think about this, because you have, I mean, look at the recruitment numbers. Look at the recruitment numbers. Do, do you get the sense that people feel confident in signing up for the U.S. military with this president in charge? And and what is the tail um, at the end of the game? Uh, in terms of the the best way to continue to manage things, uh, give me give me a give me one rock star that's that's in his cabinet. Give me one rock star that's that's special. Give me one special person that people can kind of look to. Is it is it Lloyd Austin? Was it General Milley, Mister White Rage? Or are you willing to allow your son or daughter? To go sign up, not necessarily for the Marines or maybe for the Marines, with the Marines. Um, how confident are you that in a second Biden term, that this person who's at least a, in some measure accused of 
being compromised is going to do the best thing for the American people. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't know. We, we spend all this energy on, you know, bad orange man and Trump is the devil and get him off the ballot and all this sort of stuff. We are in a hot war right now in the Middle East. You've got China threatening. Who knows what North, North Korea is going to jump off. And, and the president of the United States. Oh, oh and, we, and we've been directly threatened, by the way, uh, from uh, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, uh, who, uh, alluding to a potential attack in New York City. That video's out there now. And Joe is laying on the beach in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands for the next two weeks. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? 704-570-1110. Hour number four straight ahead. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Is the Brett Winterbull Show News Talk 1110 WBT hour number four underway? Uh, all right, I want you to imagine a world in which you run afoul of the law, allegedly, allegedly run afoul of the law, and you're arrested or charged. Let's say charged. I want to say arrested. Let's say charged. And you go to court and your defense attorney is told that certain defenses that you want to use in the case are not allowable. What kind of a system would that be where that would happen? So... You can't assert this. You can't assert that. And the judge and the prosecutor are going to confab with each other. And they're going to say, listen, we've made a decision. You can't offer this as a defense or that as a defense or this as a defense or that as a defense. That's pretty weird, right? I mean, you have to admit, you can think about some of the weirdest, uh, bizarrest, um, uh, uh, alibis and attempts to uh, avoid a prison sentence, you know, in, 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 in human history. Like one of the most bizarre ones ever, I think, was, uh, was, was probably when the mayor of San Francisco was murdered by the supervisor... Uh, back in the 70s, and they used the Twinkie defense. Remember the Twinkie defense? The Twinkie defense, they said he ate so much junk food that he kind of lost his mind and couldn't really couldn't really explain or, or, or deal with this sort of stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of weird stuff that gets used, right? And it's not me. It was my, it was my 
twin brother that doesn't exist. My twin brother who did it. Uh, we all remember, obviously, the controversy involving OJ's um, defense. Right. I'm still looking for, you know, the real killer, all that, all that kind of stuff. Right. But like you can pretty much like defend yourself however you want to defend yourself. Right. I mean, it's that that does happen. That does happen from from time to time. Well, there's a guy named Jack Smith. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. He's a very strange man. He's a very strange man because he's prosecuting Trump in two different courts for two different things. He's, he's prosecuting Trump for the documents case, and he's prosecuting Trump for the January 6th case. And he filed a, a, he filed a motion with the court arguing in 20 pages, 20 pages, um, that Donald Trump is not going to be allowed to assert certain things. And uh, Judge Tanya Chutkin, an Obama appointee, and someone who famously worked with Hunter Biden at a law firm once upon a time, um, is considering this to be like an okay thing. So Roll Call writes it this way. Federal prosecutors in Washington, D.C. asked a judge to prevent Donald Trump from bringing up, quote, partisan political attacks and, quote, irrelevant prejudicial issues during trial on charges tied to his effort to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Special counsel John L. Jack Smith. He is a sexy man. Filed a motion Wednesday that would limit what the former president and leading candidate for the Republican presidential nomination could argue when the case goes to trial. Much as the defendant would like it otherwise, the trial should be about the facts, not politics, and the filing states. A trial in U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, is set for March, but the case is on pause right now as Trump pursues an appeal on an argument that his presidency shields him from the charges. The topics that prosecutors listed include revisions Congress made to the Electoral Count Act after the January 6th riot, meant to ensure the defendant's unprecedented and undemocratic efforts would not be repeated. Wow. Like an ex post facto law. I thought ex post factos were not kosher when you looked at the, 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 the trial stuff. Really? Wow, so we can retroactively make something illegal after it's already maybe kind of tried to happen. Wow. I mean, I knew Jack Smith was a weirdo. I didn't realize Jack Smith was this much of a weirdo. I mean, I saw the purple vestments and things that he wore over at the European court. And, I, you know, he seems very comfortable with the, you know, velvet shoes and all that. But ex post facto is ex post facto. For, for people who didn't maybe take social studies, ex post facto means I can't come to your house and say, you know what? You got pound cake in your refrigerator. Pound cake has, is illegal. 
we just passed a law outlawing pound cake in people's kitchens, and we're going to prosecute you for that. And you're like, but wait, when did you do it? Right after we decided to charge you. That's when we did it, and now we're putting you in jail. Like, that's a crazy thing. I mean, that's an absurd example, but that's ex post facto. Like, you can't say, hey, you know, uh, son of a gun, you're not supposed to do this, and it's outlawed now, but it was legal when I did it. But it's outlawed now, so we're going to charge you for that. That's ex post facto. Like, that is, that's like a basic fundamental tenet. This is crazy. Prosecutors point to public statements that claim those revisions somehow legitimize his criminal efforts to pressure the vice president exceeding his authority under the prior version of the ECA. Mm, This is good. Well, I'm going to break some of this down for you. This is a really weird story. But we're living in a really weird time. And we are in some pretty high weeds when it comes to the weirdos in D.C. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110. So where we left off was the fact that Jack Smith has filed a motion that would limit what the former president can use as a defense in his trial. Um, a, a trial in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia is set for March, as I mentioned. And uh, one of the things that has changed is uh, the prosecutors have listed revisions that Congress made to the Electoral Count Act after the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol building, which is going to ensure that the defendants' unprecedented and undemocratic efforts would not be repeated is in their filing. The prosecutors point to public statements claiming that those revisions somehow legitimize his criminal efforts to pressure the vice president to exceed his authority under the prior version of the ECA. But that wasn't modified until after January 6th. It's it's like prosecuting somebody for drinking under age when it was legal at age 18, but not legal at 21. Or it, was, it was legal at, at 18, but now you're trying to hit him with a 21. Allowing Trump to make the argument to a jury would cause a time-consuming mini-trial on the legislation itself, the filing states. Well, too bad. If the, if the jurors are too dumb to understand the argument, that's not Trump's fault. I mean, you could, you could hate Trump all you want. But if the jury pool in D.C. is so dumb, which is very possible, and it would cause a time-consuming consuming mini-trial on the legislation, then so what? Who cares? This is a trial. You could do whatever you want to try to get out of the trial, other than committing perjury. The government, for instance, would have to respond with proof of the many reasons that Congress chose to update the century-old law, whether any revision was actually necessary, and whether any revisions were considered but not undertaken. This weirdo is lazy. Jack, Jack Smith, I'd rather have Jack Straw from Wichita there, okay? But Jack Smith is lazy. He doesn't want to make the argument. And he knows he's not going to have the attention span of the jurors because 
they're, they're not going to understand the argument that he's making because he's so sophisticated. He went to Harvard. He was Mr. Harvard 1993. He's a sexy man, and he is telling you what you're allowed to defend yourself with. He continues, this could potentially require a large number of witnesses since hundreds of members of Congress voted for the legislation in question, each based on his or her own rationale. Too bad. You're trying to put a former president in prison. Too bad, dude. Prosecutors also point to an accusation that President Joe Biden directed the indictment as a form of election interference, which they say is not only wrong, but has nothing to do with whether Trump is guilty. Okay, so knock it down. Knock down the argument. The prosecutors also want to stop legal arguments Trump has made that he is immune from prosecution and that his fraudulent statements are protected by the First Amendment. Uh, again, prove it to this genius jury that you've got in D.C., man. I mean, they're so smart in D.C. Everybody's really smart in Washington, D.C. They've all got MBAs. They've got jurist. Uh, they've got jurist doctors. Uh, they've got, I mean, th- these are these are these are the the brightest, smartest, bestest people in the world. That's what we're told. We're told that no other place in the country is as smart and good as Washington, D.C. I'm sure you'll find a phenomenal group of people who are willing to sit there and listen, listen to the argument, listen to the to 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 the uh, to the testimony. No, they want to get it done fast. See, they want to get this thing done fast. Well, I'm sorry. That's too bad for you, uh, Jack, Jack Smith, Mr. Harvard, 1993. A sexy man who runs marathons. That's factual, by the way. You you see, there is this notion in people's minds, okay, that Washington, New York, Chicago, Baltimore, Los Angeles, that they're a cut above. Above, man, they're so smart and sophisticated. We don't even have to. We don't even have to offer you the imprimatur of due process. We can do anything we want because we're so smart. This guy, I'm telling you, this guy, this guy is flinty. This guy is flinty. This guy knows he's over his head. Why are you walling off all of these defenses? Why, why are you doing this? You know what? You know what this reminds me of? You know what this reminds me of? Here's, here's who Jack Smith is. And I want you to remember this. Every time you see him on TV, every time you hear about him, I want you to remember this. You, you know when you'll see the... Um, a football team will celebrate an old man's uh, dream, okay? And, and, and they'll, they'll have him... 
run with the football to score the touchdown, and all the linemen will be running like they're really kind of trying to chase him, and everybody's kind of going one-tenth speed, and he's just making his way because he's just going to be 100 years old, and he wants to score a touchdown there at the Panthers Stadium, and so everybody's kind of escorting him all the way over there. That's who Jack Smith wants to be. He wants to be escorted to the conviction, but he doesn't want to really do the work. He wants everybody to lay down before him because he's Mr. Harvard, 1993. Mr. Harvard, who runs marathons and is from Europe. The prosecutors also want to stop legal arguments Trump has made that he is immune from prosecution and his fraudulent statements are protected by the First Amendment. First of all, I would probably sever those two matters. Um, Maybe he is immune from prosecution. Maybe he is. And the idea that his fraudulent statements are protected from the, by the First Amendment, uh, well, that's why you have a trial, <laughs> right? Is it or is it not protected by the First Amendment? Joe Biden told us, I mean, let's be honest here, when we put Joe Biden on trial with a Trump-friendly prosecutor after he's defeated and he leaves office, uh, and we put him on trial for fraudulent statements that he had no business with his with his son when evidence shows up like that then i guess turnabout is going to be fair play right no it won't be though Um, smith has brought four charges against trump alleging that he orchestrated a broad effort to overturn the result including efforts to stop vote counting putting forth false slates of presidential electors and encouraging then-Vice President Mike Pence to throw out the electoral college votes of states that Trump lost. But Mike Pence didn't do that, though. Mike Pence didn't, like, he didn't actually do that. So what's the, what's the harm? Yeah. Well, these jurors are super smart because they're in Washington, D.C. They'll be able to unpack this, no problem. I'm sure of it. Why is it that I'm more confident in the jury pool in D.C. than Jack Smith, Mr. Harvard Law School, 1993? Why is it? Is it perhaps that he looks down on the jury pool? Hmm. They'll, they'll vote like they're supposed to because it's D.C. It is the Brett Witterbull Show, 704-570-1110, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. It's good to be with you. Let's uh, jump out on the calls and uh, talk to Jim. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Jim, how are you, Jim? Thank you. Thank you, Brett. It's wonderful to be on. I heard you talking about how you're going to go into a fifth hour. Is that right? No, uh, we're in the fourth hour. This is the fourth hour. There is no fifth hour. Yes, that's correct. Oh, you're going to be on your time until 7, right? I I always am. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So, good thing I called in. Yeah, well, I decided to wait, decide uh, to help boost the ratings at the end of the show. Wait, everybody's going back out to their car now that they know that Jim of San Diego is going to be on the air. They want to hear what he says. They're waving their wives and their children away from the car right now. That's right. That's right. Let's give them something. Yeah, TJ, is that who's manning the phone today? No, that is Tommy. That is uh, Thomas. Tommy. We have Thomas Tommy. Uh, manning the phone. Great job. He's, he's doing a great job. He's, he's, yeah, he's managing. He's doing a lot of uh, multitasking and managing the situation. Indeed. 
Indeed. Very well. And a very... We have a crack yes, staff. Uh, uh, yes. So, um, yeah, did he tell you what I wanted to talk about? I have no idea what you wanted to talk about. What is on your mind today, Jim? Yeah, you had a guy, Matt. I think his name was Matt. You had a guy that called in and floated the theory out that when Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey break up, that she's going to buy out a team just to uh, for some kind of retribution against him. Uh huh. That, so that was that, that, yeah, that was that so, was floated. Yes, that was a floated theory. Yes. Yeah, you know the reason I I listened and uh, I understand where he's coming from. In a lot of ways, he's right. There is a lot of family psychology that uh, he he uh, thought forward, and it's good. It's good that people think about this because when you get into a relationship, family values are everything. How you interact with people, how you learn to interact with people is everything. And so it matters. This, this is a topic that really, really matters, and it matters more than people really understand. We like to be able to demarcate things and bifurcate things in political terms and a bipolar term, but it really is a family values issue. And so, uh, yeah, she um, has had issues along the way bringing really? her music in, and she's admitted to it. On the Behind the music, she did admit to having early uh, issues with predators in the music industry. So that is part of the uh, psyche that makes her up. It's one of the reasons why she's not married, why she hasn't started a family, because uh, her uh, building her career uh, was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But the, now what is happening between them is that this is a relationship that's got more depth and passion than anything else that she's ever done. The way you can tell, the reason I know, is because they're spending time to make sure that they get together and that the bond is maintained. She didn't do that in her other relationships. A lot of those songs that she wrote about the relationships that she had were about, the, hey, I'm just moving forward, I'm shaking it off as a transitory thing. You know, it's just something that happened along the way, but this one's different. So he's right. There's going to be some point where they, uh, they're going to break up over the fact that somebody is not going to want to start a family. Somebody is going to want to start to have children, and one of them uh, won't be ready or will decide not to. And um, uh, I think she's, she's, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what she wants to mm. do. She doesn't know she's in it over her. Uh, she's uh, into something she's never been in before. Mm. And um, mm. I think there's a bond there with her family. Do you see the pictures of her talking to their, the Kelsey uh, mom, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw, I saw the videos of the. Yeah, yes, yeah, um, yeah, yes. So, uh, the, when it, if it does break up, there will be retribution. Most likely, she will have a lot of songs. Retribution. Wait, why? Why does it have to be retributive? Why is there got to be retribution? Because Sometimes relationships don't work. When she was young. Okay, but tell her that. It, but she's like got a billion dollars. I mean, she's like, what? What is the retribution? Why do we need to retributionize people? I mean, what is right. going on? I understand women who have power and money. They make everybody, every man, every man is involved with them pays one way or the other. When it's over. Wait a minute. Hold it's on true. a minute, Tommy. You've got to ISO I, that, man. Yeah, absolutely. That I'm way is, ahead of you. That way is ahead an of you. ISO. Way ahead oh, of you. Guys are, 
All right. No, 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 no. I'm not making fun of you. But that, it, it, that was a profundity. That was, as Rush would say, that was a profundity. Um, but why can't people just like, like they've been to, how many games are in the season? 17? I always, 19, 17, whatever it is. 18. 18 games. They've been together for what? 16 games? Is that yeah, what it is, Todd? Would be the answer. Okay, but it's not even a whole season. What happens when they get to the playoffs? What happens if poor Travis Kelsey? And you know what? I can't stand the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, just on on principle alone. But it's AFC, right? I'm not an AFC guy. But here's the uh-huh. thing. But here's the thing. And I'm not bagging on anybody, but I'm just, you know, I'm not an AFC guy. But here's the thing. Maybe it doesn't work out. See, I don't understand. She's a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, she's talented. She's got a huge fan base. And if it doesn't work out, like, why does she have to go and nuke uh, Travis Kelsey? You know, like, uh, he, he's, he seems See, like a perfectly fine a person. Home. You've had a, a successful relationship for a long, long time. And you, you don't really have never been exposed. You haven't been exposed a lot in relationships with the opposite sex with people who have really bad dysfunctional issues when they were young. So it's hard for you to understand. No, no, no. I, so, I, I understand I, that. I, but my point is, but my point is, okay, there, there is unconditional love and there is unconditional hate. And somewhere in the middle is kind of like where you kind of spend a lot of your time, right? If it doesn't mm-hmm. work out... For whatever reason, whatever the reason is, maybe he wears cologne she doesn't like. Maybe he sees her in an outfit he doesn't like. I mean, whatever it is. Why does it have to go to World War Five if it just doesn't work out? These are two youngish people who got um, a big, bright future. I'm I not mean, saying she's going to buy a team to do for any reason. I'm not saying she's going to go that far at all. Yeah. But she, she will, uh, she will act out in some way. Oh my God! I think she's going to have a lot of songs that are going to be written about it, and um, <laughs> something else. I don't know, but I know she's just not going to be able to uh, just let him go and leave without. What if you, they um, end up? What if they end up in the friend zone? Well, that's what John Mayer did. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, they are friends. You, I'm well, amazed. I'm amazed. You are him and his behavior. You are a man. And I'm I'm being sincere. I'm not. This is not and I'm not doing any shtick because I'm. There's no shtick going on here. I am very impressed at how you took all of this stuff together and weaved it. Like I think that's that's very interesting, Jim. I think you re, you really are you are a seer well, in you. many ways. And I and I appreciate that you're a, a listener on the show because I think you you've given a lot of people a lot to think about. I just I I think it's fascinating, and I appreciate you being here today. All right. Well, if they do break up, Taylor, uh, give you a call if you you know when you're done with them, and uh, you want to give you 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 start things out. You want to give your digits out? No, don't do it. Don't do it. it. Don't you guys have them there? She calls. You can use. You have them on the board there, right? We'll get. We'll get. Yeah, we'll get it over to her. You got it. All right. All right. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Okay. Well, have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. You're awesome, man. Thank you. That's Jim. News Talk, 
1110 WBT. It's the Brett Witterbull Show final segment of the hour. What we got? Uh, we got a little break in Brett coming up here uh, yes. next. And then uh, we've got a lot of other stuff going on. Tomorrow's already going to be Friday. How about that? Lots of stuff to talk about. Lots of stuff to weigh in on as um, we, uh, we, we start moving towards what it is that is uh, the reason for this part of the season. And that is the new year. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're doing. Uh, New York Post. Looking at New Year's Eve in New York City. Uh, Let's see how this sits with you. New Year's Eve revelers are paying $650 for a seat at Applebee's. For the New Year's Eve revelers, six hundred and fifty bucks gets you a seat at Applebee's, twelve thousand five hundred dollars at Times Square Lounge to watch the ball drop. Would you pay six hundred and fifty dollars for a table at Applebee's in Times Square to watch the ball drop? Apparently, many New Year's Eve revelers are willing to fork over that and so much more, including twelve thousand five hundred dollars for a luxury couples package at the Marriott. Marriott Marquis to ring in 2024. He is, uh, this guy is Joshua Perla. Joshua Perla. And his, his whole, his whole existence is he, he gets these like funky packages at uh, balldrop.com where you can, you know, be in the mix with, with some of these elite things. We're seeing an uptick in the price consumers are spending on New Year's Eve tickets that include a live view of the ball drop in Times Square. Perla told Side Dish that includes six fifty per person seating at one of the two Applebee's locations in Times Square, which will also offer a menu that goes darn right it better goes beyond the fast food chain's usual fare of bottomless salad and pasta options. Tommy. Six fifty, and you're going to get more than just the bottomless salad and pasta. I mean, everything better be bottomless for that price. You are really paying anyway. for the real estate, he said, <laughs> to be in the area to get a view. I have never, look. ever understood the appeal of spending New Year's Eve standing on the street or sitting in a restaurant or whatever for, for, for the ball drop. It just seems like it is... Uh, I Not worth the the orange isn't worth the squeeze, or is that, is that yeah, the yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The juice ain't I, worth the squeeze. I, I went to Times Square once when I was a single guy, uh, like nineteen ninety three or four, and I I, I I stupidly went, and it was it was it was such a madhouse. I went back home, like I couldn't like I couldn't even get where like you could see anything. Right. And I was just in this, like, I was just in this like area where I was like, I'm going to get killed. Like, so, so it's like, this is like a a rough setup over here. I'm going back. So I did that. So I ended up doing that. Um, and then when Sherry and I were first married, uh, we went, uh, into the city for, for a couple of different, uh, of these, including, um, we went to a we went to a great comedy club, and <laughs> we went to a great comedy club, and all this chaos breaks out outside. And the guy who's on the stage is still doing his set, and he rolled right through the ball drop. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah, it was really quite something. I mean, um, at least, you know, if you're at a comedy club or all things being equal, you're at least yeah. there doing something. You're not just, like, standing, standing in the street outside. with a bunch that's of people right. just that's looking right. around. That's and right. then, you know, when the ball actually drops, that's got to be, know. like, the most anticlimactic thing. Like, well, okay, just, we've been here for eight yes, hours or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because you can't, you can't, you can't leave. You, like, yeah. where, where you're standing, you can't leave. And so people are wearing, I'm sure people are wearing diapers because, I mean, you can't leave. You, if you if you depart, you you can't get back in, and it's like the last thing I would ever do is go to a port of sand in Times Square, uh, at a big event like that. I mean, you are penned in. Yeah, no, thank you. You know, it's no, it's it's, it's it's nuts. So, in fact, here's the thing: when we were going to uh, when we were going to the comedy club uh, for 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 the event, as we were walking. These these dudes on the roof were throwing ice balls down at at people on the on the way to that area, right? And the cops, like they ended up, they they peeled off and went up on top of the roof to find these guys because these guys were whipping. I mean, they were whipping like Mariano Rivera fastballs off the roof um, at with like ice balls. It was it was really quite. I, I had no desire to do it, none. And plus, we're living in the era of. A lot of craziness out there. I wouldn't do it. I'm I'm really, I'm not even, I might be up, if I had 12,000 bucks, I don't, and I wouldn't do it that way. But if I had 12,000 bucks and I'm up in the top of a hotel looking down, that wouldn't be bad. Okay, yeah, that. You're in your room. You're in your room by yourself. That I get behind. You know, or if you get into some kind of smaller, lower key event of some sort, in correct? A, you know, correct. in a penthouse somewhere, and you get to look at that. That could be pretty cool. But standing on the yeah. street, ah, uh, it's awful. No thanks. It's terrible. I, 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 I don't, I don't even like going to concerts like that where you're, you're all penned in on the floor level. You know, I don't. That to me is no good. Uh, listen, we have a great show planned for tomorrow. And I appreciate Tommy's hard work here today. We'll be back again tomorrow, uh, keeping you company with an eye towards the weekend. Uh, Just remember, folks, everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. That's all I'm going to say. Enjoy your evening. I am Brent Witterbull. News Talk 1110-993-WBT.